Welcome to the Live Clearly podcast. In this podcast, we focus on wealth strategies that help you build your financial potential and live a healthy, extraordinary life. We discuss the power of living with clarity, pursuing possibilities, and creating a clear financial roadmap. Now, onto the show with your Live Clearly enthusiast, Rebecca Novin Cannon. Hello and welcome to Live Clearly with Rebecca Novin Cannon. Today we're talking about farming. I'm not sure why, but <laughs> we're going to find out. Good afternoon, Becky. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. We're talking about farming today. Why are we talking about farming? Well, I, I was actually just at a advanced seminar on distribution planning. All right. And we got to talking just about that, about farming and how it is so similar to the planning that we're doing. So I'll get into that. Hmm. All right. So generally when people come and see me, there are three things that they want to accomplish. And oftentimes this is how they phrase it, that they want to manage the risk, but get maximum returns, that they want to gain more liquidity, and they want to make sure it's the proper amount of liquidity, Mm -hmm. right? They're planning for known events, I call them, such as college, weddings, retirement. Mm -hmm. And lastly, one of the biggest complaints, and I don't just work in New York and New Jersey, but most of my New York, New Jersey clients complain about their taxes. How do we minimize these taxes? These are insane. Yeah, I don't know anybody who doesn't dislike taxes. So, I mean, two of those make a lot of sense to be managing the risk and then minimizing taxes. And I, I understand gaining more liquidity, but I, that's not something a lot of people would think about right up front. So I think that's a very, very important one that they're bringing to your attention. So what do you do to help them with those? Well, so in all fairness, they don't say to me, hey, I want to gain more liquidity. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my terminology for it. Yeah. They tend to say, look, money's coming in and money's going out, and I just don't feel like there's anything left mm. over, or there, mm-hmm. is this the right amount that's left over? Yeah. And gaining liquidity is, I really want to talk about that, because when you gain liquidity for now and in the future, maintaining what I call free liquidity in retirement, that's the key. Mm. Okay, free liquidity in retirement. Yes. That sounds fantastic. What is free liquidity? Free liquidity, the definition, actual legal definition, I believe, is that at any date, we're going to look at the aggregate of the cash balance or other amounts available for drawing, right? Meaning spending Mm -hmm. inside Mm -hmm. your economy. And it can remain drawn, right? So in other words, you can spend it and it's not going to hurt the economy. Now, when we talk from an economics perspective, they continue with the definition saying that it should be repaid in six months. But for our purposes, we're just going to say it's money that can be spent without harming the economy. And when you say harming the economy, you're really talking about your own economy. Your personal economy, exactly. So there's no fees and taxes on it and and so on and so forth. Right. Right. Just free liquidity money that you can spend. What, What do you have the freedom to spend? All right. So why is this so important to focus on? So everyone knows that liquidity is great, right? Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to be liquid, more liquid? But without a specialist, most people are not planning for their future liquidity or their current liquidity, right? Mm -hmm. People tend to plan for tomorrow without focusing on today, and that's the subject for a future podcast. But if we talk about farming, I think that it'll be a good segue. All right. How liquidity can work and how it's so vital to our economies. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're a farmer. And much of modern agriculture has been based upon cultivating what's called monocultures. So with a monoculture, farmers decide to adopt one crop, a monoculture, right? Uh, That makes sense. The the reason that they do that is to maximize profit and minimize costs, Mm -hmm. 
right? They're cultivating just one culture, the same species, over and over and over. All right. So think about the vast fields of wheat or barley, right? We've seen pictures. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm from New Jersey. It's called the Garden State, but I, I don't know too many <laughs> fields around here that are just for barley or wheat. But that being said, yeah, it's thought that if you just cultivate one species, a farmer can optimize his or her operations, right? Because there's just one harvest mm-hmm. and theoretically an automated method of harvesting. It leads to a greater yield at a lower cost. They only have to specialize in one thing, right? They narrow and deep. They dive narrow and deep. Yeah. So think about the consequences, though. If we plant the same seeds, all the same seeds, all the same crop, Mm -hmm. all in the same field, we're using the exact same soil year in, year out, year after year after year. What do you think happens? Well, it's not good because you may be in New Jersey, but I'm in Nebraska. And so we know you can't do that. And I'm picturing not necessarily wheat or barley. I'm picturing lots of corn. Corn. And uh, <laughs> yes. yep, lots of corn, but they can't do that year after year, right? The corn takes a lot. And so they do plant something else, but I'll let you keep going with this thought because it's beautiful. It's actually a great analogy. So the concept, right, is that it depletes, you know, being in Nebraska, right, yep. that if it's just a monoculture crop, it depletes the nutrients from the soil, mm-hmm. right? Because it's sucking all the nutrients that yep. one crop and we're not putting any new nutrients back into the soil by planting the same crop over and over and over. We lose biodiversity, right? Because there's no insect species or different insect species in that location to ensure that the single population of that species of that bug or vermin, whatever it is, doesn't get too big and damage Mm -hmm. too many plants. And ultimately the fields die. Right. And it increases the risk of pathogens. It increases disease. It's counterproductive from what I've read in terms of fighting climate change. It increases the risk of erosion. It increases Mm -hmm. the risks of pests, et cetera. So what do the farmers do in your your experience? What do the farmers do? They rotate. So the main rotation here is between corn and then soybeans. So soybeans puts the stuff back into the field that the corn takes out. So I'm going to get to that. So that's a great point. But what farmers do in these monocultures is that they're using interventions. They're introducing synthetic materials. Mm -hmm. So that, of course, coincides with a high use of synthetic fertilizers, synthetic pesticides, which leads to pollution of the soil, contamination of the groundwater, et cetera. Gotcha. And this synthetic material, it's inorganic, right? It it Mm -hmm. remains in the soil. It can't break down. So then we've all read about the water runoff Mm -hmm. leading to, right? We have this problem with overgrowth of algae in our oceans and our lakes, starving water bodies, et cetera. So it's, it's all connected. And then, of course, we have theoretically animals that are drinking this water and Need I say more? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, sorry, I thought you were going for what farmers should do. <laughs> but you, you, it's because you're so smart, right? Oh, so, uh, yeah, right, I wouldn't, right. I've never you're been so, accused of that, but but thank yeah, you, Becky. No. Well, yeah, for my pleasure. But, so you, you were ahead of me in terms of, so what's the answer, right? Yep. Years ago, the Native Americans, to your point, they did something called companion farming. Mm-hmm. So companion farming is when you plant different crops in proximity for pest control, pollination, providing habitat for beneficial creatures, and maximizing the use of your space to increase the crop productivity. Hmm. So you want to get an example of that? No, go for it. I want you to give it to us. Okay, cool. All right. So there's something called the three sisters that the Native Americans had always interplanted, and it was corn, squash, and beans. I've never heard of that. Yeah, the reason, yeah, it's cool, right? So yeah. the three sisters. So they, 
the thought was that they thrive together or the concept is that they thrive together just like inseparable sisters. Mm -hmm. I wish my daughters were inseparable sisters, but (laughs) that's for another day. Yeah, another podcast. Um, Yeah, right. The vegetable trio sustained them both physically and spiritually. Mm -hmm. And each of the sisters contributed to something in the planning. So together, they provided both a balanced diet from a single planting and it was biodynamic. I'll say. So Mm. the corn was always first. They always put the corn in the ground first. And once it got to the right height, as older sisters often are, the corn offered the beans the needed support so that the beans could grow up the corn stalk. Mm. So the beans being planted second, right? They pulled nitrogen, as you said before, about the soybeans, right? Yeah. They pulled nitrogen from the air and they brought it back to the soil for the benefit of the corn and then the squash that was planted third. So are you saying this is all planted at the same time? I mean, I mean, so different I think it was different staged. times, but they yeah, it's staged, uh, yeah, but they're it was staged. Yeah, so they didn't harvest all the corn, and then it was a bare field, and then they planted the next thing. You're talking, Correct. they put them together, so they grew together. Wow, see, I didn't, right. I didn't know that. This is fascinating. Right. The squash then was planted next, mm-hmm. and the large leaves provided protection to all the crops, right? Because they have those long, low leaves squash, mm-hmm. and it created a mulch, a living mulch that shaded the soil, and it kept it cool and moist, and prevented weeds from growing, mm-hmm. and because squash has prickly leaves, it kept away pests and allowed the farmers to produce higher yields with less resources. Hmm. So that three sisters example, how does that tie into our financial lives, you're thinking? Oh, right? I, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I, <laughs> I, I see where you're going with it and it's, it's perfect. So where I'm going with it is that in our own financial landscape, we want to create those three sisters, three buckets, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to bring us back to the conversation around liquidity, maintaining free liquidity later in life is essential. Mm -hmm. Liquidity allows us, A, guarantees us the ability to spend our money, right? Spend down of our money to actually spend it, right? Not just live off of the interest. B, create income for life, right? Mm -hmm. And, And distribution planning is its own discipline. Just like harvesting Fruits and vegetables is its own discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Different pressures, different stressors, just in distribution planning. If you're fortunate enough to have a pension, that's amazing. But unfortunately, about 98% of society no longer has a pension. Mm -hmm. So we can create one inside of our own economy. We have to, but we have to engineer that. Similar to how the three sisters engineered a healthy crop, Yeah, It's it's all got to work together. Yeah, absolutely healthy bounty. And then lastly, we have an investment portfolio that has to supplement our income and provide for future growth. Mm. But we need those three legs of the stool, right? Guaranteed liquidity, right? That we have to start producing today, the ability to create guaranteed income for life, create our own pension. And lastly, an equal investment portfolio that can help us grow our assets in the future, combat inflation, and act as a buoy for our entire economy. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, there are studies, I didn't know this, but one of my colleagues told me about a study out of Willis Towers Watson, which is a global advisory firm. And they actually came out with a study, they spent quite some time on it, talking about retirement satisfaction and how it steadily declined over the last decade. And they found that satisfaction or happiness is actually highest among those with the highest levels of wealth and income 
who have strategies in place to annuitize income, right? So what is what is annuitizing income? That means having an income stream for life, mm-hmm. a guaranteed income stream. So part of the three sisters, that's just one part of it, but the studies show that having that part of the three sisters, the three legs of the stool, whatever you want to call it, made people that much happier in retirement. Yeah, there's security there. I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing is that there's a whole lot less worry, less stress. So that gives you the ability to relax a little bit and, and enjoy those years that you have to, you know, after you're done working and you've worked so hard to get to that point. I mean, that I can only imagine it would be a huge relief. Right, right. It's, and it's got to be balanced. It can't be all or none. And again, that's where it comes to the monoculture versus the three sisters farming. It's essential that our strategies are, we're starting early, starting your strategies as soon as possible, and Mm -hmm. that you're building a three sister strategy, not just a monoculture strategy. How do your clients take that when you, or I guess it would be prospects that come in when you're introducing this to them, how do they see this? How do, you know, how do they take this information? I think it's very commonsensical if I may say so. So I think that it's, it's accepted. It's people say, yeah, that makes complete sense. And if you ask people, what is their strategy when you meet them? Well, what's the strategy for spending your assets? They kind of look at you and say, Hey, I don't know. I don't know. And so it's like, all right, well, we need to figure that out because accumulation is, is awesome. And you want to make sure you're accumulating, but the other side of that coin is distribution. How are you distributing? That's really what we're talking about today. But you have to start your distribution strategy at the outset. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) honestly, if you'd asked me that question, what's your strategy for your spending? Like, I don't. (laughs) I save as much as my strategies are saving strategies and accumulating strategies because that's the stage in life I'm in right now. But I can see where you absolutely have to have a, a strategy for spend down, even though you're not even close to that stage yet. Because if you don't have that strategy in place, how do you know how much you're going to need to save now? But it's also a question of you don't want the vermin, so to speak, to eat all your crop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why three legs of the stool are the three different sisters. They all play a role. And each sister has a role inside of the plan. Hmm. So saving, we'll have a podcast too of what's the appropriate amount to save. So in accumulation, you're right. You need to know what to save. Mm-hmm. But in distribution, you need to know how am I spending it? Yeah. How, yeah. What am I taking first and how much and what's the proper percentage? And really, what's my overall plan and strategy? And if you're not thinking about that now, you need to be. Yeah. That, that's really the takeaway I want people to have from today's podcast. No, I, I agree 100%. It's interesting because if you're, if you're not setting yourself up for that protection and that, that picture of the three crops working together, my parents live out a little bit farther out of the city and they're surrounded by cornfields. And every year you actually get to see a trail that has been built by beavers of corn stalks. They've come in and they grab the corn stalks and they make a little corn stalk highway right down to the stream. So by that time, it's too late, right? By the time you see where your crops are going and you have a trail of where they left and went, that's not the, the right time to plan against the, the vermin coming in and taking your crops. So Right. That's a great point. So what happens when the beavers do this and they decimate a, a crop? What, what happens? I was afraid you're going to ask me that. Well, the farmers lose they lose some crops. They, they, the beavers aren't too much of a problem, but you definitely see that's, that's kind of like a small leak going out of their crop field. The deer, however, decimate it. They, I mean, they will, they will take acres and acres of corn very, very quickly. 
and eat it and it's just gone. So yeah, it's a huge impact to the farmers, whatever vermin it is, because it could be big, could be small. You can see them standing in the field or like the beavers, you don't see them coming. They're, they're working at night and they're grabbing and going. So there's all sorts of things that people need to protect themselves from. And, and that goes right back to taxes because we're all going to have to pay them, but how do you pay less, right? Absolutely. Taxes, fees, yep. with something called sequence of return risk that, you know, I, I did a white paper that is available on my website that talks about all of the risks that we're facing mm-hmm. in the future. And we need to be planning for these risks, just like the beavers and the deer, mm-hmm. because one bad season can decimate your farm or your life, essentially your financial life. Yeah. And to keep on this train of thought, as morbid as it sounds, people need an eradication permit. I don't know. Have you ever heard of an eradication permit? I haven't. Do tell. So an eradication permit is for farmers specifically because everybody, pretty much anybody can get a hunting permit. If you want to go hunt deer, you can go hunt deer. However, farmers have an opportunity to get an eradication permit because the state does look at them as vermin in a way that are decimating crops of of farmers. So they're allowed to go out and get 30 deer at a time because you will have herds come through. And we have a farmer friend of ours that he loses between 25 and $40,000 in crops every year to the deer, unless he can get, he gets his permits and he gets his family to go out. The nice thing is they donate the venison to shelters and and places that can use the meat. But I think every person who's thinking about their finances needs to get an eradication permit for the things that are going to try to take that away and chip away at their foundation for their retirement. I think to, to your point, so the farmer's aware oh, yeah. of of the vermin, right? You can see it. I think one of the problems in the financial world is that people are not really aware Very true. of all of the headwinds that they're facing. Mm-hmm. And unless you sit down and really analyze it with a specialist, you make mistakes that you, you just, you don't realize you're making. So it's the awareness first. And with a crop, it's it's easy to see. It's easy to quantify. With our finances and our portfolios, it's a lot less clear. We don't know what's going to happen. And market volatility, for example, mm-hmm. can completely wipe out a portfolio depending upon what I'm just going to call right now the sequence of returns, mm-hmm. and if you're if you're taking distributions, so the one nice thing about the farmer is that he knows, maybe not beyond reasonable doubt, but he knows. Okay, if I do this, this, and this, I should be able to insulate myself from this vermin. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of individuals financially, I don't think, are aware of how to eradicate, right? How do you, how do you do it? What, mm. what do you do? And it's not smoke and mirrors, frankly. It's just, it's setting yourself up. Like I talked about the three sisters and making sure that you have guaranteed liquidity, that you create income for life. And that ultimately, lastly, last leg of the stool, that you have a, a nice, robust investment portfolio that can supplement your income and provide future growth. Yeah, absolutely. And just like the farmer, the deer represent to me, taxes and fees. You're never going to eliminate all of them. There's always going to be some taxes, some fees that's going to chip away and take a little bit. But we, like you said, you can plan for that. You know that you can you can put a number to that of what that's going to look like. And so you have that knowledge so you can do the right thing, spend from the right account and you know, right. rotate, well right? Well you can said. rotate yeah, but, it. The, but the one thing we don't know is we don't know what technological change is going to look like or what Absolutely. it's going to cost. We don't know what inflation is going to be or what it's going to cost. We don't know what healthcare costs are going to look mm-hmm. like. Planned obsolescence on and on and on. We can go with all these items that we haven't 
taken into account that we really have no way of knowing what they're going to look like. So back to your original comment, when we make recommendations about the accumulation phase and how much you should be saving, that there's a correlation directly to your saving percentage because of all of these other unknown factors. Mm-hmm. Death and taxes and fees, we know. Those are going to be yeah. there. But all these other things that I talked about, we just we don't know what that's going to look like. So we have to plan for the worst and hope for the best and really look at cash flow and everything else and, and, and do a, a really deep dive into how your economy is operating. Yeah, absolutely. And I already know, and, and people that have listened to your previous podcast know, if somebody wants to give you a call and contact you, they can sit down and have this discussion and you'll help them work through all these things and the kind of the minefield or, or just the things that they need to be aware of. So if somebody is interested in finding out more, but they're just not ready to take that step for the personal phone call or, you know, coming into the office, do you have any resources that they can access, whether through your website or something that you can mail out if they were to give you a call or, or email you and ask for some resources that will help them kind of put this picture in their mind? Absolutely. So on my website, there is resources section and you can always feel free to email my office or call my office and we can send out some information. Fantastic. Becky, any closing thoughts for today? No, just that, you know, um, it's been a pleasure talking about the three sisters strategy and um, people, I hope people find it useful. Yeah, well, I, I found it fascinating. I had actually never heard of that before. And my, my parents have had gardens ever since I was a kid. And but I never saw them growing multiple crops in one spot. It was always one section for this, one section for that. So that was interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Live Clearly podcast with Rebecca Novin Cannon. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Becky comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Novin Cannon Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Clearly podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Rebecca Novin Cannon is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 52 Forest Avenue, Paramus, New Jersey, 07652, 201-843-7700. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Novin Cannon Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Noben Cannon Financial Group. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Noben Cannon Financial Group LLC, and opinions stated are their own. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. The Living Balance Sheet, LBS, and the LBS logo are service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 through 2019. Guardian, 2019-78851.